I am still in shock. I'm still in shock about this whole Sam Bradford thing. I am damaged goods at this point. Emotionally, I'm just broken. This broke me. Things were going so well after week one. Sam Bradford was the number one quarterback in fantasy. We're stacking Stephon Diggs with two touchdowns and Adam Thielen with well over 100 yards and just it comes crashing down like a Jenga tower. Sam Bradford being the block at the bottom. You try to slide it out. Can you slide it out? No, you can't slide it out. Smash! All your fantasy football hopes and dreams destroyed. He was the keystone, the pin in the grenade. Sam Bradford of all fighters is just ridiculous. So ready to play Sam Bradford everywhere. Not just redraft leagues, but DFS. And it doesn't get better than draft. If you're playing DFS and you're not trying draft, you're doing it wrong. It's the new way to play daily fantasy sports. It's for the people. The people that want unique lineups. The people that want to create a roster using the snake draft method. That's what draft is all about. So go get draft now by either going to playdraft.com or just go to your app store and type in draft. It's that easy. And you can just create a lineup for week three on your phone on the fly with active users all around the country. It takes a couple hours. Boom. You've essentially drafted a brand new team every week. That's why they call it draft. And when you sign up, use the promo code UNDERWORLD to get free entry with your first deposit of $10 or more. And you're not going to be able to play Sam Bradford. Not today. Not tomorrow. Not ever. Sam Bradford is He's had multiple knee surgeries and another injury to the surgically repaired knee is potentially season-ending and worse, career-threatening. It is. They're saying he's day-to-day. No timetable. Day-to-day. No timetable. Day-to-day. But I'm telling you, when your knee is held together with bubble gum and bailing twine, any new injury is potentially catastrophic, even if it's just a bruise. Well, if it's bruised cartilage and there's no cartilage left... That could be catastrophic. So there are leagues in which I'm benching Stephon Diggs. Of course you're benching Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's the number two receiver tethered to Case Keenum. So of course you're benching Adam Thielen, but sadly, there are scenarios where you would bench Stephon Diggs. And I just can't believe I'm saying this. It's devastating. It really is. I'm so excited for Stephon Diggs this season to see his potential fully realized. Stephon Diggs was a top 10 wide receiver in our seasonal rankings just for that brief moment for that brief week like a starburst in the sky there was stefan diggs in the top 10 check it out playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings to see our redraft rankings he was in there he was there it was right in front of us top 10 now he's 17 now you have to start doug baldwin and michael crabtree and deandre hopkins and Devonte adams terrell Pryor over stefan diggs you got to do it I still believe in Terrell Pryor. Only four targets last week, but he has 15 targets in two games that leads all Washington receivers. We know Terrell Pryor is one of the signature speed-sized specimen wide receivers in the NFL. It's just a matter of time. Why not this week against the Oakland Raiders? 
That's a bad secondary. This is the week Terrell Pryor ascends in a Washington uniform. And you need to be ready to watch Javorius Allen and Derrick Henry unfurl their wings and fly. They are ready to fly. Derrick Henry looks like a top five fantasy running back. Javorius Allen looks like a top 10 back. These are RB1s in fantasy. Both players are RB1s in fantasy. This is the reason why I can still glide across my kitchen floor, take a seat at my computer with a cheery disposition. Yes, the Sam Bradford injury is devastating more than anything because of how it damages his teammates. But our hearts are warmed by Derrick Henry and Javorius Allen. Both players are league winners. It is on. That's where we need to focus our attention. You win some, you lose some. You know, I mean, that's it. We have shrapnel and collateral damage everywhere we look in Minnesota, but in Baltimore and in Tennessee, our hearts are filled with joy. We will win fantasy leagues on the back of Derrick Henry and or Javorius Allen. And maybe, just maybe, there is hope on the horizon, even in Minnesota, in the form of Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater plans to return to NFL football midseason. If his knee is stable, then I think he offers a similar level of play to Sam Bradford. And in a cruel twist, I believe at this point in their respective careers, Teddy Bridgewater actually has the more stable knee. I mean, it's crazy, but it's true. Teddy Bridgewater, a prolific college quarterback and relatively efficient in his first two seasons without anyone to throw the ball to initially. And then in his second year, was fortunate to have Stephon Diggs join the roster. But Teddy Bridgewater has not benefited from a fully developed and mature Stephon Diggs. You put Teddy Bridgewater with Stephon Diggs in his third year and Adam Thielen in his prime and Kyle Rudolph in his prime, I think Teddy Bridgewater will be a productive fantasy asset. And I think he will be the tide that comes into the harbor and lifts all those boats in Minnesota. But that's six weeks from now. This week, week three, we prepare to celebrate the ascendance of Derrick Henry and Javorius Allen and make sure you're playing those players on no halftime. No halftime is great because maybe you don't want to create a full roster. Maybe you don't want to set up a lineup. Maybe you just like a particular player. Well, you can go to no halftime and look for contests involving Javorius Allen. No halftime allows you to set up ad hoc prop bets with anyone around the world. They facilitate single player contests. And I love it. I plan to move my chips into every contest involving Javorius Allen this week. And today I'm looking forward to talking to Dave Cabin. I've mentioned his name before on this show. He created FF Draft Prep and he writes for Rotoviz. Very smart guy. We'll ask him about Sam Bradford and and how the loss of Sam Bradford impacts this Minnesota offense moving forward. So go follow him at Dave Cabin, D-A-V-E-C-A-B-A-N-F-F on Twitter. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio program, Dave Cabin. Dave Cabin is the proprietor of one of the show's favorite online tools to win your fantasy draft, FF Draft Prep. So the creator of FF Draft Prep is here today. His name is Dave Cabin. He's also written for Rotoviz. He's the real deal. Talk to me, Dave. 
What's going on, Matt? I'm uh, very glad to be on here. I've been really happy to be a uh, sponsor of the show for two years running now. Um, you know, I love what you're doing here, so I'm just pumped to be uh, coming on. And just to be clear, this is not a quid pro quo. You get to come on the show because <laughs> you're a sponsor. Yes. The sponsorship campaign is over. That was weeks ago. Yep. If you needed FF Draft Prep, you would have signed up for FF Draft Prep already. This is not about helping Dave Cabin get more FF Draft Prep subscribers. I'm having Dave Cabin on the show because he knows his shit. Because he might not be as well known as some others that come on this show, but he's pretty sharp. So he is going to show off his sharpness today talking about NFL football players. Because after week two, things start to get interesting. We have a couple weeks of data. The sample size grows. We start to have some serious questions about players, where now all of a sudden we're not necessarily overreacting. And the phenomenon around some of these players starts to crystallize. We can start to identify some real trends, both troubling and encouraging, which takes me to Derrick Henry. Is Derrick Henry a league winner? I mean, to me, it really depends on how you're defining league winner. What do you mean how I'm defining league winner? Can he <laughs> help you win a league? Is he one of those running backs that comes out of relative obscurity and finishes as a top 10 running back this season? And yep. many fantasy gamers who end up winning the championship ultimately can point to Derrick Henry's emergence as them hitting on a sleeper in quotes and that being the reason for the victory. Will Derrick well, Henry be the reason fantasy teams win championships this year? Is Derrick Henry a league winner, Dave? <laughs> I held all summer to the fact that I don't think given his sixth round ADP, you know, in some leagues he was going as early as the sixth. I saw him sometimes even in the fifth. Yes. In the hipster MFL leagues, Derrick Henry sometimes <laughs> made it as high as the sixth round. But in most leagues, you look at the overall ADP across leagues, he was a ninth, tenth round pick, which is where he should have gone once you cancel out the noise of the hipsters. Yep. I think in that regard, then, I think you could say that he is going to be a league winner if given the opportunity to really come in and take a 60% share of that running back opportunity. Uh, now, obviously, some of that's dependent on the health of Murray and what exactly we can expect from him. But it does seem like the team is getting ready to hand that offense over uh, to Henry, which if they do, I think he has the talent. He's the type of guy he can, you know do similar if not better than what we saw uh murray do last season in tennessee and then given um you know that accumulation of points that we can expect from him i do think he's going to help a lot of teams win the championship this year right he'll end up posting better efficiency than murray did last year without the receptions so he won't catch 50 passes like demarco murray did that's not in derrick henry's range of outcomes he's not a pass catcher he's not fluid in space when you think of Derrick Henry, you don't think of Derrick Henry reception magnet. You don't think of Derrick Henry electric, nimble space back. That's not Derrick Henry. So no way he posts 50 receptions, but I think he'll be more efficient because of the offense. The offense is key. They want to be a running team. They're currently sitting top 10 in the NFL in run-to-pass ratio. It's only a 45% ratio, run plays to pass plays, but still, relative to other NFL teams, that's a top 10 run-to-pass ratio, despite being down in week one throughout the game. They were losing to Oakland throughout, sometimes double digits, and it didn't matter. 
they continued to run the ball in the face of negative game script in week one. And then all they wanted to do in week two with the lead was run, 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 run. 36 run plays to only 27 passes in week one, winning 37-16 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they're not going to play Oakland again. But they are going to play Jacksonville again. And they're going to play Houston two more times. And they're going to play Indianapolis two more times. What do you think's going to happen, Dave, in those games? Of course, they're going to have double-digit leads. And who's going to be running the ball in the second half with a double-digit lead as the team runs it 30, 40 times to 25 pass plays? That's what they want to be, a running team grinding out the clock in the second half. What happens when you're grinding out the clock as the game moves along? And the 250-pound running back continues to grind and grind and grind and grind and smash and smash and smash and smash. Defenders get tired. So you'll see some splash plays from Derrick Henry, some big play touchdowns in the fourth quarter when they pitch it out to him with five minutes to go, and the defense just gives up. You know Derrick Henry is going to score multiple long touchdowns after the defense gives up in the fourth quarter. You know that's going to happen. And I'm not even talking about DeMarco Murray anymore. I think it's over. I think the ship has sailed. DeMarco Murray is owed nothing next year. He's gone. The future is here. Titans coaches saw it. NFL fans saw it. Fantasy gamers saw it. They saw Derrick Henry post 92 yards on 14 carries. Meanwhile, his contemporary, Leonard Fournette, 40 yards on 14 carries. And yet Derrick Henry was a more impressive prospect coming out of the SEC than Leonard Fournette. It just so happens that Leonard Fournette came out a year after Ezekiel Elliott had the best year for a rookie running back since Eric Dickerson. So now all of a sudden, no, NFL teams are interested in drafting running backs in the first round again. But in the Ezekiel Elliott draft class, where Derrick Henry was drafted, no one was drafting running backs. So Derrick Henry fell to the late second round. He was one of the great values we've seen in the NFL draft. If you're going to draft a running back, don't draft him in the first round. Draft a guy like Derrick Henry in the second round, a generational talent. We don't have comps for him in the player profiler database. I mean, there was a legitimate question heading into the 2016 draft. Who's better, Ezekiel Elliott or Derrick Henry? There were think pieces written on both sides. Then the NFL scouts came in and said, no, 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 no. It's absolutely Elliott. It's not even close. We're going to draft him in the top five and marginalize Derrick Henry into the late second round. Well, guess what? NFL scouts, as they often are, were wrong again because I think it is very close between them. I think Derrick Henry is a better runner. He's more explosive. He's a more impressive size-speed specimen than Ezekiel Elliott. And Ezekiel Elliott's better in the passing game, I guess, although we haven't seen it at the NFL level. Everyone's like, show me, Derrick Henry. Show me, show me. Well, now he's showing you great efficiency in Tennessee like you saw in Alabama because it's the perfect scheme for him. Now he has the running lanes like he had in Alabama, one of the best run-blocking units in the NFL. They brought back all their starters from last year, which was a top-10 run-blocking unit in 2016, and they're all healthy. So very few teams can say, hey, we brought back our entire unit, which was already great, and they're still healthy. They could finish the year as the number one run-blocking unit on playerprofiler.com's run-blocking efficiency metric. So you put Derrick Henry, a guy that we don't have comps for because we've never seen a guy that big be that explosive and productive at the college level. It's never happened. It doesn't exist. Never, ever, ever. He is a singularity at the running back position. 
No one like him has ever existed. You could say Brandon Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs went to Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois' Brandon Jacobs. You're going to compare him to Alabama's Derrick Henry? No. How explosive was Brandon Jacobs? Not very explosive. Not an explosive playmaker. He was a between-the-tackles grinder in a timeshare with Tiki Barber. That's not Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is absolutely a primary back. He is a bell cow that may start to get used in the passing game. I hope he does. But I never like, ever, ever like the between the tackles grinders that get elevated to these workhorse roles. Jordan Howard is the most recent example. That's not an archetype I ever tout. I say to that running back, you better catch passes, you better catch passes, you better catch passes, because you can't make your living grinding out yards between the tackles in today's NFL. You can have a random good season, like Jordan Howard did, but you will revert the following season. Derrick Henry is the great exception, because his athletic profile and his college dominance is unlike anything we've ever seen, especially at his size, and he's now in a situation where all the external forces are working in his favor. He has the efficient quarterback that's occupying linebackers because he's also a threat to run. He has the coach that wants the team to be a running team. So they have a run-oriented philosophy. The team is going to be a playoff team. So they will be winning games more than they're losing with positive game script. And I already mentioned the offensive line may be the best in the NFL, particularly in the run blocking department. So you check all these boxes and have all these external forces supporting a player who's already offering traits we've never seen. How can you not be excited about this player? Jordan Howard rushed for over 1,400 yards last year, Dave. If Jordan (laughs) Howard can rush for over 1,400 yards on the Bears, what's Derrick Henry's ceiling? Derrick Henry's ceiling is a 2,000-yard rusher. You cannot be surprised. You're not allowed. You're not allowed. You're not allowed. You cannot be surprised when you look up from your computer screen after you keep writing down these notes that you plagiarize from hack scouting reports from a year ago saying Derrick Henry's an upright runner. Derrick Henry needs runway. Derrick Henry's scheme dependent. Derrick Henry's too upright. Derrick Henry's too stiff. Derrick Henry's too this. Derrick Henry's too that. Focusing on the negative instead of focusing on the positive. Where if you'd focused on the positive and all these positive external forces propelling Derrick Henry, you'd realize, holy shit, we're looking at a 2,000-yard back. We're looking at a 2,000-yard back that even the hipsters weren't drafting until the sixth round, and the common folk were drafting in the ninth and tenth round. That is what a fantasy football league winner looks like. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so, wait. I, sorry, I kind of lost where you want me to go with that. I know that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> I said every word in the English language that could possibly be said about Derrick Henry. So we're moving on. Okay, that's that's fair. You would agree. Yes, I, that I, I would agree. he's better than Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I would. I, okay, I, that's all I need yes. to say. Okay. And you would agree that he is potentially, a year from now, looking back in hindsight, on par with Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Right, because the assumption is Ezekiel Elliott is a fantastic pass catcher, and that's the primary differentiator. I haven't seen it yet. And so it's out there. We haven't seen the huge reception totals in college. We saw Kareem Hunt catch over 40 passes at Toledo. We've never seen Ezekiel Elliott catch 40 passes. So until we see a prolific reception total season from Ezekiel Elliott, I have questions about that because 
He flailed in some opportunities to catch passes already this season. So we shall see with Ezekiel Elliott. I am not exactly sure what he is yet. I'm more sure about what Derrick Henry is, what his strengths and weaknesses are, and what his potential is than I am with Ezekiel Elliott, which is crazy to say based on how much sample size we now have with Ezekiel Elliott in front of us. But because he's operated in that Dallas Cowboys offense, and any time he's been faced with adversity, he has sulked off the field and failed to rise to the occasion. I have questions about what the hell Ezekiel Elliott is and what he's all about. I don't have those questions about Derrick Henry, who seems to be a humble, understated individual who all he wants to do is go out there and destroy the lives of opposing linebackers. I thought I had exhausted all the words in the English language to describe Derrick Henry, and yet I had more words. <laughs> That's amazing. There were yet more words to be spoken in front of this microphone about Derrick Henry. And if you have an opportunity to trade for Derrick Henry, you need to do that. It doesn't matter. I just offered Martavis Bryant for Derrick Henry. I'm going to the mattresses to get Derrick Henry. If you don't have Derrick Henry yet, you need to go out and get Derrick Henry. And I don't really care what it takes. Just get him. Whatever. Whatever you want to give, just give him. Give it up. Give it up. Just give it up. Act as if he's a top five back. Act as if he's a first round pick. Act as if you drafted him instead of Jordan Howard in the early second round. Act as if when you're going out and trading for Derrick Henry, that's how I would operate. And I'm almost there with Javorius Allen. Is Javorius Allen a league winner? I think that Allen could be a league winner. We see him coming in. It looks like he's going to push out Terrence West in that offense. Uh, you know, and it's funny that you mentioned him and Howard kind of in the same breath, because to me, they're very similar players, similar profiles. But the big difference that we see is that Allen can catch those passes out of the backfield. Yes. You look back to college. I think he had an 80th percentile college target share at USC college target share. Yep. So I think when you look at those things, you can see him being able to offer a lot of things to that Ravens offense. And I think we're going to start to see him put up those type of totals for a guy that some people got as recently as off of the waiver wire last week. He's going to be a huge difference maker for some teams looking forward. Interesting factoid on Javorius Allen and the Ravens. After leading the NFL in total pass plays run last season, the Baltimore Ravens currently sit in last place in total pass plays number one in run to pass ratio it's been the greatest shift in play calling we've ever seen it's the greatest shift we've ever seen we went from number one in pass to run ratio to number 32 in pass to run ratio they went from number 32 in run to pass ratio to number one in run to pass ratio the Ravens officially want to be a running team. When they hired Greg Roman, that was the thinking, that they would hire Greg Roman to change the philosophy, to skew the play calling toward the run and away from the pass, because clearly being a pass-heavy team with an inefficient quarterback like Joe Flacco doesn't work. So they figured that out, and the heavy pass tendencies of the Ravens from 2015 and 2016 are now obsolete. They're now a running team. So now let me get this straight. You're a running team with below average receivers, and you have a running back who's six foot two twenty, above average across the board in all the metrics we like to talk about, citing 
speed score, burst score, agility score, and he's a tremendous pass catcher. He already has a 12-catch game on his resume. And that's what I'm looking for from Ezekiel Elliott. Show me you're a pass catcher. You say you're a great receiver. Show me a 12-catch game. Javorius Allen already did it. In fact, Javorius Allen looks a lot closer to Ezekiel Elliott than anyone might imagine. They actually have similar profiles, except Javorius Allen has a little more burst. Javorius Allen is ready because Terrence West can't play. Terrence West is terrible. Terrence West was released by an 0-16 Browns team. Rewind. Terrence West, Dave, was released by an 0-16 Browns team! (laughs) Yeah, that's something you never want. And you think he's good? You think he's the primary back, not Javorius Allen, who across the board checks every box we look for, who is a phenomenal talent in the NFL. He just happened to be disregarded by his coaches. We don't know why. He could have told the Ravens coaches to go fuck themselves one day. And they've been holding it against him ever since. But now they can't hold it against him because Danny Woodhead's gone. And Terrence West has a soft tissue injury, whatever that means. They've got nothing left. He's what's left. They did him a disservice and the team a disservice by not playing him last year. And unfortunate injuries are what will correct that mistake. The coaches remain incompetent, but just happenstance alone will correct their egregious self-scouting and install Javorius Allen on top of the depth chart. Javorius Allen is going to lead this team in opportunity share for the remainder of the season, and he will finish as a top 10 back. Because there are very few other running backs that are even productive anymore. I mean, I say top 10 back as if that's impressive. As if, oh, that's a hot take. Ooh, top 10 back. Well, name me 10 backs that are good. You can't even do that. Name me 10 backs that get a 60% opportunity share on an offense that scores the ball. You can't, right? You can't. Saying Derrick Henry's a top five back isn't even that impressive. Saying Javorius Allen's a top 10 back isn't even that impressive. David Johnson's off the board, and it gets very thin very quickly at the running back position. Why not Javorius Allen? I mean, if you see a team out there that owns both Derrick Henry and Javorius Allen, you should be offering them your firstborn child for both running backs. Offer them Odell Beckham Jr. It doesn't matter. Get those two running backs. Get them. Act as if they're RB1s for the rest of the season because they will be RB1s for the rest of the season. How could they not be given their talent profiles and the ideal situations that both of these running backs now find themselves in? Derrick Henry is is on the perfect team that fits his skill set like a glove. Javorius Allen is on the perfect team that needs his skills more than any other team. It's perfect. It's just so perfect. This is what league winners are made of. And you can bet Derrick Henry is going to outscore Leonard Fournette this year by a lot. And you can bet Javorius Allen's going to outscore Jordan Howard this year by a lot. Speaking of Odell Beckham Jr., who are these fantasy gamers drafting Odell Beckham Jr. in the first round after he suffered a high ankle sprain? Have we not learned our lessons about drafting injured players and then turning around eight months later and rationalizing it away? Oh, I lost my fantasy football league because I drafted Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, he got hurt. Yeah, he was playing hurt. Mm, Yeah, he was playing hurt. You knew he was hurt. You drafted him after the injury. It's your own fault. Don't blame anyone else. Don't blame him. He didn't want to get injured. Blame yourself. Stop drafting injured players in the first round just based on name recognition. You brand-chasing drones. 
Did you draft Odell Beckham Jr. in any leagues after the injury, Dave? Say you didn't. Tell me you didn't. I, I didn't. I never had the opportunity. Tell but... me you didn't. If you had the opportunity, would you have drafted him? No, I wouldn't have. I Thank mean, I you. When you. Because it's a very easy principle to follow. We have an easy, it's just the easy, it's, the, it's so easy. It's just the easiest best practice. The easiest just rule of thumb that you can just write it down. I'm writing it down right now. I'm writing it down right now on a piece of paper. Do not draft injured players in the early rounds. Done. That's it. That's it. It's not hard. Is that hard? Why is that hard? Do you know the people drafting Odell Beckham Jr. in the first round despite a high ankle sprain? Do you know who these people are? Where are they? They need to be shamed publicly. Go ahead. Well, I, I would hope that these people that were taking Odell Beckham in the first round would have done so after Green, Nelson, Evans, those kind of players they went. Weren't. And no, I, they weren't doing that. They, 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 then they wouldn't have been a first-round pick. They were drafting him ahead of those players, which didn't make any fucking sense. He's injured! <laughs> um, He's going to be playing through this all season. Here's the deal with high ankle sprains, everybody. Here's the deal. A high ankle sprain is actually a microfracture of the fibula where it interfaces with the ankle. That's actually what it is. It's incredibly painful. And he will be dealing with this all season. He will not be the same player, period, all season. Because it takes months to heal properly. How the NFL works, everybody, just so you know how the NFL works. Mr. Drafting Odell Beckham Jr. in the first round, thinking you're slick and cool. Hey, look at this. I got a guy, OBJ, uh, like his brand, brand equity in the first round. Good brand. Can't beat OBJ in the first. Yeah, you, you just lost your league. So nice job. Way to get that brand. Nice designer jeans, too. Good job. Good talk. It's a two to three month injury. But what they do with the NFL is they say, hey, you, you can't afford to miss these games. You're in a contract year. And most players are in contract years every year. So you have to get on the field. If you can't make the club in the tub, you can't secure your next contract from the sideline. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do, Odell. Come into the trainer room. We got this big needle. We're going to shove this needle in your ankle. And we're going to numb it up. And you're going to feel great. You're going to be able to go play. I know that your doctors think this is a three-month injury, but we're going to have you ready to play in week two. You're not going to be the same. You're not going to be nearly as productive. You will not return value on your ADP in fantasy football, but we don't care. All we care about is getting our best players on the field at all costs. If it costs them years of their career, we don't care. So come on in here. Let's do this. That's how it works. That's why you don't draft players with major injuries in the early rounds. He already missed one game. So he already lost that one game. And essentially week two was a lost game. And I'd have no idea when he's going to be productive again. I don't know. But he should be resting. But he's not. He's playing on an injury. He should be resting. He'll be playing on the injury instead of resting. He'll be playing on the injury instead of resting. He'll be playing on the injury instead of resting. And then he'll be playing on the injury some more instead of resting. Think that's going to make the injury better as the season goes along or, or worse? This is why. This is why. I told you not to draft Odell Beckham Jr. in the first round. I told you not to do it. I told you not to do it. I told you not to do it. And you did it anyway. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm with you. That's one of those things that you always have to be careful of. If you know the player's injured, like you've said a million times, it just doesn't make sense why you're going to take that into your roster. You're absorbing so much risk right off the bat. At least with Jordy, he got hurt later in the season. He was healthy to start the season. Drafting Jordy in the late first round was the optimal selection, not Odell Beckham Jr. He has since hurt his quad, and that's too bad. But the season started. 
At least we didn't start the season knowing we were fucked. Let's play a game. Drop or hold. Drop or hold. Drop or hold. I'm going to name a player who has disappointed thus far, and you tell the audience, should they hold on to this player or let him go? So hold or let him go. We're going to go rapid fire. Boom, boom, boom. This is a rapid fire segment. Rapid fire. We're going to bring in the machine guns. <laughs> lots of machine guns here. Machine guns. Will be, have you heard the show with the machine guns? Me? Yes, definitely. So what do you think of the extended machine gun set? I think it's one of those things. At first, you start to think it's 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 losing it, but then once it keeps going, it does pick up, and then uh, and then I start to enjoy it more and more. It's just waiting and waiting. When is it finally gonna end? Right, and then the second time and third time, just <laughs> the gimmick going. Is, is that does it actually age well, or, or do you think we're done with the machine gun gimmick? I think it ages well. Um, you know, it's it's uh, one of those things. <laughs> it better because we're doing it on this show. We just did it. You didn't even know it because we don't. You don't get to hear the the sound effects. Those those go in in post production. Oh, that's a bummer. But it's going in. In fact, the machine guns have already sounded. So whether you like them or not, it doesn't really matter because they're happening. It's my show. <laughs> drop or hold, John Brown. I think you got to drop John Brown at this point. I mean. There's so many questions with him just related to his health. You've seen Nelson coming on. They have other players that can work out. I think he's a drop. No, don't need him on the roster. J.J. Nelson is the one-for-one one replacement for John Brown, and he's healthy. So again, we have an injured player who can't stay healthy because of the sickle cell trait being replaced by a faster version of himself. Why the fuck would you hold that guy? How about Corey Davis? I think you could drop Davis too. I mean... Bye, Davis. In redraft, don't drop him in Dynasty. No, he's amazing. <laughs> Do not yeah. drop him in Dynasty. Stop, stop. Don't drop him in Dynasty. But in redraft, he's the third receiver on a team that will experience significant positive game script. I don't care how talented you are. You could be Randy Moss. Randy Moss and Jerry Rice could have a baby. I know that's not possible, but if it was physiologically possible, if that player was a rookie third receiver, you wouldn't roster them in redraft on a team like the Titans that wants to run the ball and gets to play Jacksonville, Houston, and Indianapolis, and Jacksonville again, and Houston again, and Indianapolis again. Kenny Britt. Well, Britt as a Rotovis guy has been alarming for me, but you it think, looks like Coleman. <laughs> you think <laughs> this has been alarming? One catch each game? Yep. Two catches on the season? This is yeah. a problem. He's getting crushed in the production department by Rashard Higgins, who was on the practice squad last week. What the fuck is going on, Dave? I have no idea. I'm agitated. But... <laughs> I'm a Kenny Britt owner. That was like my fourth fuck of the day. A lot of it is due to Kenny Britt because I own him everywhere. And it's not good. I'm not happy about it. Well, it makes no sense because makes if no you go sense. to playerprofiler.com, you'll realize that Higgins' uh, most comparable player is Titus Davis. And Brits is Larry Fitzgerald. I just don't get what's going on here. Brandon Marshall. Uh, I think at this point you still hold him. Hope that the Giants offense can get it together. Maybe you get some touchdowns out of him. Thank you. Thank you. That's correct. Okay, Brandon Marshall's Brandon Marshall. I know he dropped a pass. You think he hasn't dropped a pass before? Who do you think leads the league in drop passes the last five years? Brandon Marshall. This isn't new. I and mean, people seen this drop pass like it's new. Oh, yeah. Wow, Brandon Marshall dropped a pass. You see that drop? That was egregious. Oh, he blew the game for them. Oh, he's a bum. What? This is what you get with Brandon Marshall. He's been a trick-or-treat player his entire career. He was also a top three wide receiver with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback two years ago. So why don't you chill and relax with Brandon Marshall? In fact, I'm trading for Brandon Marshall. I'm not just holding. I'm doubling down and going to get him because I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be healthy 
all season. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a permanent decoy for the remainder of the season. And I think that means more action than people think for Brandon Marshall moving forward. We also saw Sterling Shepard is just a guy. And that's clear. Sterling Shepard is just a guy. So we have just a guy, Sterling Shepard, and a hurt Odell Beckham Jr. on a team that needs to throw to score points because they have no run game. So the fundamentals are still in place surrounding Brandon Marshall. And he himself, I believe, is still Brandon Marshall. I mean, do you think his driver's license has changed? Is he now the linebacker, Brandon Marshall? No, he's Brandon Marshall, the receiver. He's still Brandon Marshall, the receiver. He's still Brandon Marshall, the of the Hall of Fame career, and he's only 33. It's not like he's 38. So relax. Now is the time to get Brandon Marshall. It's funny how quickly a player with an incredible brand, as we talked about before, get the brand, get the brand, get the brand. But if you're a little older and you have a slow start to the season, oh, fantasy gamers can't wait to walk away. Take advantage of that. Acquire Brandon Marshall. Nothing. Paul Perkins. I mean, my my question is, why were you even drafting Paul Perkins? They were drafting him before Derrick Henry in a lot of leagues. (laughs) We talked about running backs going in the 8th, ninth, and 10th rounds. That's when Derrick Henry and Paul Perkins were being drafted. The starting running back for the New York Giants, remember? Yeah, he's also averaging 2.3 yards per carry. We've been saying that Paul Perkins' ceiling is just a guy for years. And now you're seeing it. I don't know who these people were that were drafting Paul Perkins in the single-digit rounds. But those people need to delete their fantasy teams now and never play fantasy football again. Duke Johnson. I think you give Duke another game. You see what develops. He's third on the team in air yards right now. With Coleman going out, that might make some more opportunity for him. Uh, He saw seven total touches on Sunday, some rushing and some receiving. But we still know he's a versatile player. I think it's worth, you know, in keeping him on the team for one more week, see what happens. The encouraging thing is he got carries. No carries in week one. It looked like he might be converted to wide receiver, but they said, no, 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 no. We're going to call up Rashard Higgins. We're going to put Duke Johnson back at running back. And he did what Duke Johnson does, which is evade tackles, make plays in all phases. One more week for Duke Johnson. But if they continue to marginalize him in the offensive game plan, eventually you got to let him go. Speaking of players that have been marginalized by their teams, Bilal Powell. What the hell do we do with Bilal Powell? I mean, I don't know. He's getting significantly outsnapped. He's been held under 11 fantasy points on the season. I'd like to say keep him around because at the, it feels like Forte's should fade by the end of the season. But I think at this point, he's just kind of a sunk cost on your team and you got to let him go. A lot of people loved Bilal Powell in the summer. It's been a rare feat to see a running back come out of obscurity. The perception of Bilal Powell was talentless. Talent void, right? Then all of a sudden, wow, he's super talented. We love Bilal Powell. Oh, fifth round pick. Oh, possible league winner. Why we what? How quickly? It's funny how if a running back wins you your league for two consecutive seasons, eventually you come around on him, even if he's not a great athlete. And that's what happened with Bilal Powell. But the fundamentals remain the same. He's a jet! He's a jet! Why are you drafting running backs on bad teams? I mean, I get Kenny Britt. He's a wide receiver on a bad team that should experience significant negative game script. The thesis around Kenny Britt, I believe, was sound in the offseason. But running backs on bad teams? That's not the way to go in fantasy football. I'm dropping below Powell. Kerwin Williams. I think that, unfortunately, you might have spent a lot of fab on him uh, or... Fob, if you're J.J. Zacharyson. I did. Um, Who says fob, by the way? Do people say fob like fob? Yeah, fob. 
Oh, hello there. Yes. I'll see you at the art gallery later, won't I? Yes, sweetie. You spend your fob this week on Cohen Williams? Yes, I'm sure you did. Who says that? I, I don't know. It's an Isn't that a fob, a key fob? Like how you open doors without a key? <laughs> yeah, that is. You wave in front of a door to open them? Isn't that what a fob is? Yeah, that is. It's, it's fab. It's fab budget. Fab. Ah, fab. Ah, fab. Yes, I spent a lot of my fab on Kerwin Williams, and I'm pissed. And I'm also dropping him. I did, however, pick up Chris Johnson in almost every Dynasty League because Dynasty Leaguers want nothing to do with players over 30. So you can always acquire productive players with real roles in Dynasty that are over 30 for a dollar. And that's all my Dynasty League teams. Just throwing five bucks out of a thousand on the waiver wire on Chris Johnson and acquiring the new starting running back for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, this is why Dynasty Leagues are so easy to win because the Dynasty heads are allergic to these aging players. If they don't have the allure of youth around them, it is truly stunning how easily it is to acquire players like Chris Johnson in Dynasty Leagues. It's why I win every year. It's why I'm one of the best Dynasty League players of all time, because I constantly pick up the Chris Johnsons of the world and ride them to victory with two middle fingers in the air and the youth chasers. And I do it standing on the shoulders of the youth chasers that are cowering in my presence, offering me older stud players for picks at the end of the season. And I am happy to accept their offers, propelling me to victory in every league. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, youth chasing drones. Thank you so much. Your existence allows me to thrive. Adrian Peterson. I hate to say it, but I think uh, the time has come to drop AP. I mean, he's played half the snaps that Kamara has. I think if you have AP, you're hoping for touchdowns, but they've actually, I know we only had two games, but they're tied in uh, red zone carries right now. Ingram leads the team with the attitude. It looks like he has. I just don't see it working out for him this season. Bye AP. He whips children. Fuck him. Jimmy Graham. I think you still hold out on Jimmy Graham. You keep him on the team. Although, I mean, it is troublesome when you look and you realize he's been out people are dropping him dave people are dropping him they're telling me on twitter they're dropping jimmy graham and i'm thinking to myself are you high Uh, what drugs are you taking it's two games anything can happen in two games anything can happen in two games and the usage is not a concern yes he's hurt but you can pick any two games from players game log and they'll be as underwhelming as jimmy graham's start to the season we know he's an elite producer when called upon And we know his usage is not going to decline. We know these things to be the case. That's why you hold. The other players we're talking about dropping, it's because we're not sure how efficient they are. They're not known quantities and their roles are uncertain. It's a big difference. Hunter Henry. Uh, You know, it's tough on Hunter Henry. I mean, he's caught all... I like that. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's it's a great. Yeah, it's like, what do you do with this? I don't know. It's painful. That name was. He's caught all seven of his targets, but I mean, really, he's another one of those players. What you're looking for is the touchdowns. He and Gates are seeing the same amount of targets. Gates has the touchdown with Keenan Allen back. There's even less room for him to get in the end zone this year. 
I just don't really see why you hold him. I think you churn and try to get in somebody that has more upside, something you can count on each week. They're also throwing to Melvin Gordon in the red zone. Bye, Hunter Henry, but no one will drop him. They're all encouraged by last weekend's box score. The recency bias will convince fantasy gamers to hold on to Hunter Henry for a couple more weeks, and he will end up being a dead roster spot. Julius Thomas. Drop him. I don't think we need to say more than that. Bye. Andrew Luck. You know, he's another one. I think at this point, it's just not good roster management to keep him on the team. Go out and get an asset that can do something for you. There's so many questions. Uh, Even when he comes back, we don't know what it's going to look like. So he's probably going to be analogous to a lot of guys you could pick up off the waiver wire. Cut him loose. Using that logic, cut Sam Bradford. Bradford, it's crazy to think I actually have a little bit more pause just given off of the (laughs) offense that the Vikings have had this year, what it's looked like having two great weapons in the receiving core, solid tight end, and a great running back. It's looking like in Dalvin Cook. So I might wait till we have a little bit better of an idea of what that's going to look like before I cut him on a team, obviously, where you're not in dire need to fill in that uh, quarterback spot this week. He's fucked, Dave. He's absolutely (laughs) fucked. (laughs) I don't want to let him go. The reason why the MRI came back showing the knee had no structural damage is because it didn't show any structural damage because it was inconclusive. Why? Because it was just this opaque picture of scar tissue. It was just this cloudy knob. That's all you saw on the MRI examining Sam Bradford's knee because there's been so many surgeries. You can't tell what the hell is a ligament, where the cartilage is, where it ends, and now we can't put weight on it. He can't put weight on his knee. That knee, that's bad. Andy Dalton. Yeah, I think you can drop Dalton. I don't see him. I mean, I think he's going to recover, be better than what we've seen so so far, but he's going to be that much better than anybody else out there on the on the waiver wire when he gets back to form. If he does, I'd, I'd drop him. Into quarterback leagues, you need to go get A.J. McCarron. Don't be surprised when A.J. McCarron plays out the remaining eight games and looks better than Andy Dalton because he has Tyler Eifert and A.J. Green and John Ross to throw to. So the Sam Bradford is a problem. So Andrew Luck's not a problem, right? If I own Andrew Luck in a league, I just drop him. And it's a problem in a vacuum. Andrew Luck, oh well, lost season. This lost season for Bradford is much more problematic because it also throttles Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Kyle Rudolph. How much of a problem is the Sam Bradford injury for this Minnesota Vikings offense overall? I think it's a pretty big problem. I think, unfortunately, you do have to discount them to a certain degree. I mean, things were clicking. To a certain degree? (laughs) How much do you have to discount them? That's the question, Dave. (laughs) I think it's actually a significant discount, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately, yes. This is very, 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 very upsetting. Damn it. I just can't believe this. Stack the Vikings, stack the Vikings, stack the Vikings, stack your Vikings, stack your Vikings. It was a house of cards, Dave. It was a house of cards. And the king at the bottom of the house of cards doesn't have a knee. Go ahead. I guess it's just, you know, I'm with you. It's pretty tragic, especially, you know, Cook was surprising me after the first. uh, I I wasn't too sold on him, but I was starting to come around after week one. I was getting excited about that whole team. I was buying into Sam Bradford, which I couldn't believe, but it looks like I'm just going to have to let that go. And the shares of digs that I have are not going to be what I thought I was getting. Oh, shares, huh? (laughs) You saw that? 
You one of those guys? <laughs> no, actually, I don't like it. Uh, a lot of the uh, fight. <laughs> How's your investment portfolio looking, man? How's your long book versus your short book looking? <laughs> well, you know, I, I actually am a CPA, and I feel like a lot of times we use those uh, financial terms incorrectly in fantasy football. No, so never. I normally try to avoid it, but uh, I had to slip one in there. Right. Is Devontae Parker the arbitrage AJ Green? Just kidding. We'll talk about Devontae <laughs> Parker in a minute. Yeah. But Northwestern zone, Trevor Simeon carved up a Dallas secondary that has been quite stout against the pass. Were you impressed? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been impressed with Simeon so far this season. I think he's got good weapons, obviously, in Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. C.J. Anderson was playing well. So I think that offense is clicking as a whole, which is helping out Simeon. But I do think you have to be impressed so far with what he's done. People love it when I'm wrong. I've never been more wrong than with C.J. Anderson. I've written multiple articles telling you to avoid C.J. Anderson. We've devoted five to ten segments across multiple podcasts criticizing C.J. Anderson, mocking him undrafted, couldn't beat out E.C. Safili in college, inefficient the last two seasons, on and on and on. I am trending very, very wrong on C.J. Anderson. Feel free to point out all the times I was wrong. I enjoy it. I actually enjoy it. I'm a masochist in that way. But never forget how wrong I was about C.J. Anderson because it's looking like I was epically wrong. Wrongness for the ages. Bad take. Bad takes. Bad take. All my C.J. Anderson takes are very bad. If there was a, an app that would allow me to scrub the internet of my C.J. Anderson articles and podcast segments, I would pay thousands of dollars to activate it. But yes, Trevor Simeon has weapons. And at the end of the day, that really matters. How do you think Andy Dalton has been fantasy viable for so many years? A.J. Green, Giovanni Bernard, Tyler Eifert, and company. Trevor Simeon is throwing the ball to Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. On any given play, one of those two receivers has single coverage. Think about it. If he can just identify which of the two to throw to, he's going to be very successful. That's all that needs to happen. The player's supporting cast is incredibly important. Alshon Jeffrey's back. One game, right? Alshon Jeffrey was done a week ago. Now Alshon Jeffrey is the NFL leader in air yards. Wow, he sure did turn his career around quickly, didn't he, Dave? <laughs> he did. I mean, but it really shouldn't come as a surprise. We've seen Alshon be a top-tier guy in we the have? NFL before. What? <laughs> He's a prolific receiver? We've seen a 1,400-yard season from Alshon Jeffrey? We've seen another double-digit touchdown season from Alshon Jeffrey? Those are on his resume? Really? Really? I mean, you look, you know, tremendous athletic profile compares to Larry Fitzgerald, incredible catch radius, uh, you know, very good speed score. We've seen him play alongside the likes of Brandon Marshall and be just as, you know, just as productive before. I think it's just been a matter of health with him, really. And we're seeing him get incorporated into that Eagles offense. And if he can continue to stay healthy, which obviously with him is that big caveat. Uh, I mean, there's no reason that we should be surprised that Jeffrey returns to being a top tier receiver. No surprise. He's the focal point of the offense. Name the number two offensive weapon on the Eagles other than Carson Wentz behind Alshon Jeffrey. Name him. Who is it? God, I don't know. Like Darren Sproles, maybe? Darren Sproles. A scat back is the second best option, the second most explosive weapon in that offense. Really? Really? Carson Wentz, 4.7 air yards per attempt thus far this season. That's number six in the NFL. He's been good this year. He's a top five fantasy quarterback. So Alshon Jeffrey is the absolute 
focal point of the passing game with a top five fantasy quarterback, a guy that we know can throw the deep ball and his accuracy has been improving. Of course, he's going to hone in on Alshon Jeffrey and the matchups aren't going to matter. Stay away from Alshon Jeffrey, all those cornerback matchups. What cornerback stands 6-3 with Alshon Jeffrey's speed score? Doesn't exist. If Carson Wentz throwing him deep balls, no cornerback in the NFL can stop him. Let's do some more rapid fire. The first one went so well. Show's going well, huh? So far, it's going well? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. No, is it going well for you? <laughs> yeah, it's going well. Are you enjoying yourself? That's my that's my question. I I am enjoying myself. Yes. Okay. You're you're seeing me with my full uh, peacock plumage right now. Oh yeah, no, this is fan- this is fantastic. Derrick Henry rant was was top five rant of the year. <laughs> yeah. Pick one: Jarvis Landry or Devontae Parker. I feel like this is not going to be the answer that you're going to like, but I'm going to go with Jarvis Landry. Mm -hmm. I think he's still going to out-target Parker throughout the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Parker has 171 air yards to Landry's 38, which is a bit of a a troublesome fact for me, but I still think I'm going to go with that player that I've seen get those receptions week in and week out that I can rely on for PPR points. (laughs) Jay Cutler doesn't want anything to do with Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is like a satellite back. You might as well play him at running back. The Miami Dolphins have aired. They should have converted Jarvis Landry to running back just as the Green Bay Packers converted Ty Montgomery to running back. They'd been better off. That's really his position because no receiver should be posting Jarvis Landry's average target distance yards per target. It's just grossly inefficient in the context of a wide receiver, but he's an efficient running back. So I'm changing the context on Jarvis Landry. I think of him as an efficient satellite back (laughs) wearing a wide receiver's jersey he's like a wolf in sheep's clothing he's a running back in wide receivers clothing that's what he is so to me this question's invalidated jarvis landry's not even a receiver so the answer is Devonte parker see how i did that i see that i see like that. that see that rhetorical trick i did that <laughs> i'll win every argument even if the numbers don't support me dave <laughs> i believe it i will change i will move the goalposts if necessary i will <laughs> i will excavate the goalposts and move them in order to win every argument Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas? I got to go Demarius Thomas. I mean, we've seen every season that the two have played together. They've both been solid, but Thomas has always edged out Sanders in the fantasy points. In the production category, not the efficiency category. We saw last week, Emmanuel Sanders, he's better. But Demarius Thomas is a better fantasy option as usual. Michael Crabtree or Amari Cooper? I actually think Crabtree might end with more points on the season, but at this point, he's got those three touchdowns, so i got to flip it over to Cooper because I think that that's probably going to start to even out. I think Cooper's the better talent, obviously. You're just picking Amari Cooper because Michael Crabtree already has three touchdowns in the books. He's in the clubhouse with three touchdowns. Okay, let me get this straight. So (laughs) can I explain this to you? Yep. Let's say we're flipping a coin, right? Right. Okay. Let's say I flip a coin three times, and it's heads all three times. You do know... (laughs) Dave, yep. creator of FF Draft Prep, that that does not influence the probability that the next flip is either heads or tails, right? You understand how that works? Uh, I understand that, yeah, but I would say that this is not something that is a coin flip. You don't think the outcomes of weeks 3 through 17 are independent of weeks 1 and 2? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I... You've been boxed in, Dave. I've been boxed in, yes. You have. It's Michael Crabtree. What do you think of Ty Montgomery or Melvin Gordon? What do you think of what do you think about talk to me about Ty Montgomery and Melvin Gordon? 
I mean, I like both of them. I especially like um, the way that they're remaining involved in both facets facets of their offense, which is what we were expecting from those guys coming into the season. That's what matters. Uh, They're both top 10 in opportunity at this point for running backs. So, you know, you could point to their yards per attempt and being inefficient, but I don't think it really matters when you're getting the volume that they are. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Melvin Gordon's been inefficient. He's not very good. He's inefficient. Every year he's in the NFL, just always inefficient. He can't get to that 4.0 yards per carry threshold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, the thing is, uh, mm, Melvin Gordon kind of shredded the Denver Broncos, posting 20 fantasy points. What did Ezekiel Elliott do against that Broncos defense? Remind me, Dave. Not nearly what uh, he did. If you're going to wave around Melvin Gordon's inefficiency based on his schedule and what other running backs have produced against the Denver Broncos, what did Ezekiel Elliott post against the Denver Broncos last weekend? It, it's a box score, Dave. Open the box score for Christ's sake. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with your computer? <laughs> All right, hold on. Do you not have internet access? I do, I do. We're talking do. over the internet. You must have internet access. Do you know how to use a browser, Dave? I do. <laughs> well, he only put up three. Uh, all right. Hold on. Only. Oh, oh my gosh. Is that on. right? You can't read the Internet. <laughs> no, I can't. All right. Oh, God. Oh, God. You've done well. And then I ask you the easiest question. What did Ezekiel Elliott do last week? That's the time you decide to just blow it. Well, I, I was in snaps, not uh, raw stats. So I got a little little mixed up there. You're such a hipster that you don't know where to find counting stats on the internet. <laughs> That's how I would spin it. If I were you, I would spin it like this. I'm such an advanced metrics hipster that I don't even know where to find counting stats, Matt. That's what I would have said in your shoes. Well, it's almost hard to believe that the answer is eight yards. That's correct. Is that, that, that's, that, that's mind boggling. Yeah. Denver Broncos have a good defense, everybody. So maybe give Melvin Gordon the benefit of the doubt against the Broncos defense and Indomitian Sue. Still scoring 20 fantasy points in consecutive contests. He's awesome. So is Ty Montgomery. What about Chris Johnson? Looks like he's back. Are you impressed yet? I mean, are you not impressed with Chris Johnson? I'm still worried that, you know. If you're a dynasty <laughs> leaguer, I know you're not because he's over 30 and you don't care about him and you'll spend $0 on a starting running back because you don't like winning. I understand that if you're in a dynasty league. But assuming you're not one of these dynasty drones, are you at least impressed with what Chris Johnson is doing at his advanced age? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not really that sold on Chris Johnson yet. I mean, I think if you look at that backfield, there's still Ellington there. There's still Kerwin Williams. He's 32 years old. <laughs> he goes out, posts 44 rushing yards, 4.0 yards per carry, while the other running backs are getting stonewalled. He's the only one able to produce yards in the run game, and he's 32 years old. The thing I like about Chris Johnson is he has enough juice at age 32 to still be effective. The problem is if you ran a 4.5040 at age 21, by the time you get to age 32, if you don't implement a strength and conditioning program like Emmett Smith did, you're not going to be an effective runner. The nice thing is Chris Johnson ran a 4.24 at age 21. Now he runs what? A 4.44? So that's fine. He's still got plenty of burst. 
At age 32, he should not have been a free agent. The fact that he was out there on the street, anyone could have picked him up, shows just how irrational NFL teams are. They are not optimizing their rosters, and the Cardinals received a gift in Chris Johnson after David Johnson went down. He's the starter. He's going to be productive in a starting role. There are very few starting running backs you can rely on. He might actually be one this year. Congratulations to everyone that picked up Chris Johnson for a dollar last week. You're smart. Your league mates are idiots. Those people that picked up Chris Johnson very likely already own Jason Witten. Are you one of those people? Were you drafting the ultimate fuck you tight end, Jason Witten? <laughs> yeah, I got tight. Uh, I got Witten actually uh, off waivers in a dynasty league, um, which I thought was Thank just incredible. You. Oh my god! You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying, Dave? <laughs> dynasty leagues are crazy. These people need to be committed. They don't know what they're doing. They don't care about winning. The average dynasty leaguer has no idea what he's doing. It's unfathomable what you can get veterans for and the trades that go down midseason. It's embarrassing on one hand, but it's also an incredible competitive advantage for anyone with brain cells that work. Yeah, and I also have Gates as my other tight end in that league. Oh, the fuck you! The double fuck you! The double fuck you! <laughs> yeah, I mean, when they're there in a dynasty league and you're getting them for essentially free, you can plug them in for a couple of years and then address your needs elsewhere. It just makes sense. I have them everywhere, man. I have them everywhere because there were a couple tight ends I was targeting. I really wanted Travis Kelsey, but he ended up getting drafted a round or two before I was comfortable taking him. Same with Jimmy Graham. And if I wasn't getting Kelsey and I wasn't getting Graham, yes, I know, I wanted Jimmy Graham. If he ends up falling outside the top 10 after a full season of production, I will happily come back on here, buzzards, and admit that I was wrong about Jimmy Graham. But yes, I am on record saying draft Jimmy Graham this year. But I couldn't get Jimmy Graham in a lot of leagues because others that listen to this show were even more aggressive drafting Jimmy Graham. So once Graham was off the board, I just waited for Witten. And Witten would just drop into my lap like a little feather, just slowly back and forth, gliding through the air. Very late, double-digit rounds. One of the featured weapons on one of the NFL's signature franchises. Still multiple years younger than Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez when he retired. No reason to think that Jason Witten would not be a top 10 tight end this year, and now he's not merely a top 10 tight end. He's the number one tight end in fantasy! Woohoo! Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, it, I, I'm with you on winning 22 targets so far, leading all tight ends. He's got those two touchdowns. Uh, I think he's just going to continue to roll with it. It makes sense, you know, especially if you see Elliott struggling, what better to get Dak Prescott back and going than to target Jason Witten, a man that's been just doing this for practically as long as I've been alive. The argument for the Minnesota Vikings was their schedule turns, their situation is improving with a healthy offensive line and better weapons, Dalvin Cook. Sam Bradford with a full offseason. All these factors clicking into place for the Minnesota Vikings. A similar case was made for the Dallas Cowboys. Another year of development for Dak Prescott. But the nuance with the Cowboys argument was that the Cowboys passing game was a strong buy because the schedule, unlike the Minnesota Vikings, got much harder. So the Vikings schedule reverted most dramatically in the other direction, going from difficult to easy. Whereas the Cowboys' schedule reverted from very easy to very difficult this season. 
because of that, wanted nothing to do with Ezekiel Elliott. The run game was doomed this year, but because the Cowboys would be experiencing significantly more negative game script this season, that meant more passing, more yards and touchdowns for Prescott, Bryant, Beasley, and Jason Witten. You thought Jason Witten was in decline because he was playing in an offense that was number 32 in pass attempts last season. You were fooled by game script. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm just <laughs> gloating and happy. We were right about Ty Montgomery. We were right about Melvin Gordon. We were right about Stephon Diggs pre-injury. We were right about Sam Bradford. We were right about Javorius Allen. We were right about Derrick Henry. We were right about Jason Witten. I'll even call it early and say I was right about David Njoku because David Njoku is the truth. He's the best tight end in this rookie class, bar none, future Hall of Famer. Speaking of future Hall of Famers, who's your play of the week in DFS? Who's that value play that you're inserting into your DFS rosters to help make the lineup work? Who's your lineup maker this week? I'm doubling down on Kenny Britt, tossing him into my lineups. I'm doing it. They're playing the Colts. I mean, I think that's a good matchup. You have Coleman out. I love it. I love it. I love it. If he's going to do it, I mean, it should be this week. They should make him a priority. It's got to be this week. I'm starting Kenny Britt in leagues. I really am. I couldn't not. I couldn't look at that matchup and not start Kenny Britt. Recency bias affects us all. It is a plague and a disease, but we can cure it by taking a step back and not allowing two weeks of non-production to warp our brains. I'm starting Devin Funchess. Devin Funchess outscores Kelvin Benjamin this week because they play the Saints. And the Saints give up a lot of yards through the air. They just give up significant fantasy points to Chris Hogan, the number two option on the Patriots. Guess who looks a lot like Chris Hogan? Actually, it's Devin Funchess. What about Brandon Cooks? What did Brandon Cooks do last week? Well, they didn't do much. Why? If the New Orleans Saints have one strength... It's Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore, I believe, was one of the top picks in the draft. One of the better cornerbacks we've seen in a long time. Saints got a steal. I thought the Chargers should have drafted Lattimore, and they did not. They could have locked up one of the best secondaries in the NFL. They failed, and they went with Mike Williams instead. Huge blunder. The New Orleans Saints benefited from that. And now the Saints have that cornerstone shadow corner. That's a cornerstone corner. Well, that's what Marshawn Lattimore is. He has the size. He has the speed and explosion. He has the pedigree coming from Ohio State as the top cornerback in the country. And he just finished limiting Brandon Cooks to two catches for 37 yards on four targets. He will undoubtedly match up with Kelvin Benjamin this week. They're going to assign Marshawn Lattimore to Benjamin. I expect him to shadow Benjamin 80% of the snaps. That means targets will funnel out to Devin Funchess, particularly in the red zone. Look for Devin Funchess to post something like six catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown against the New Orleans Saints. Lock it in. A Funchess breakout is imminent. I want bunches of Funchess this week. Funchess breakout is imminent. I'm going to have a lot of fun. Funchess. Bunches of fun Funchess. Fun with Funchess.
fun. Bunches. Bunches of fun. Bunches and bunches. I want bunches of bunches this week. I don't know. That was terrible. And we're going out on that. Fuck it. So yeah, man, you told me that you, you know, you told me you were a little thin on the content and I and I carried you. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> oh man, you saw the show sheet. It was basically just a thinly veiled told you so episode. Oh, hello there. Yes. I'll see you at the art gallery later, won't I? Yes, sweetie. You spend your fob this week on Cohen Williams? Yes, I'm sure you did. To grind and grind and grind and grind and smash and smash and smash and smash. Defenders get tired. Ugh, that name was... Ugh, ugh, mm, mm, ugh, now, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm on vacation this week, so my following of NFL has been not what it normally is. So I might, you know, might have to uh, defer to you a little bit, which I'm sure you're, you know, I'm ready to go, but we all know that you're good at taking over if need be. It doesn't sound like you're ready to go at all. It sounds like you're on vacation. It doesn't sound like you're ready to do a show. It sounds like you scheduled this show and you're on vacation knowing you would not be prepared. Hence, defaulting the majority of the content generation on me. And that's unfair. Yeah, no, I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, now he's good to go! Yes, yes! <laughs> oh, in the face of criticism, the position has changed suddenly in the last 30 seconds. He has been shamed into stepping up. <laughs> yeah that, but okay so I let, let me let me regroup here what I'm saying is is I went through it all looked at all the questions I guess I'm just a little nervous that's all you're a little nervous okay it's like running an ultra marathon it's like something that's on a bucket list of things that you just want to do to challenge the human body and the human mind and not necessarily ever do it again but it's an interesting challenge to do it once the human condition is such that when presented with this kind of adversity, the human body and mind tends to rise to the occasion. Yep. All right. Well, let's, let's give it a shot. <laughs> let's give it a shot. <laughs> let's, let's give it a shot. Well, let's give it a shot, I guess. I'm going to swing the bat and there's a chance it makes contact. Who knows? my ability to filibuster and give people time to think of good quality robust responses to questions that's an underrated skill so you don't want to think of it like oh i'm a i'm a i'm a ball hog i'm a space eater i'm doing a lot of dirty work here freeing you up so you can come in and with devastating blows and killer jump shots from the corner yeah yeah, no, I'm good. It's just normally I'm like, you know, like the I try to be like the most prepared person for everything, so I'm not. It like kind of freaks me out a little bit, but I'm good to go. I'm already I'm already seeming rattled. The problem is you saw the show sheet, and these show the show sheets are so tight, they basically they hit all the notes every week. You know, what everyone's thinking. It's on the show sheet. If you're thinking it out there in fantasy land, it's probably on the show sheet. It's why I'm one of the best Dynasty League players of all time. And they're going to play Houston two more times. And they're going to play Indianapolis two more times. What do you think's going to happen, Dave, in those games? 
Of course, they're going to have double-digit leads. And who's going to be running the ball in the second half with a double-digit lead? A guy that we don't have comps for because we've never seen a guy that big be that explosive and productive at the college level. It's never happened. It doesn't exist. Never. Ever, ever. He is a singularity at the running back position. No one like him has ever existed. You can say Brandon Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs went to Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois' Brandon Jacobs. You're going to compare him to Alabama's Derrick Henry? No. How explosive was Brandon Jacobs? Not very explosive. All he wants to do is go out there and destroy the lives of opposing linebackers. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. Uh, so, wait. I, sorry, I kind of lost where you want me to go with that. I'm going to the mattresses to get Derrick Henry. If you don't have Derrick Henry yet, you need to go out and get Derrick Henry. And I don't really care what it takes that fits his skill set like a glove. Fab, ah, fab. If someone asks about fantasy podcasts, it's so funny. Have you, have you read those threads? Have you noticed that it ends up becoming a referendum on me? Like the whole thing devolves into people that hate Matt Kelly and love Matt Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, I'm trying to get attention. Yes. You got me. I feel like a lot of people, like it's fantasy football. Like it's supposed to be fun. Like not everything needs to be 100% serious. And like some people have trouble separating that. I want to change it because what would be really nice is if everyone was in on it or tons of people were in on it, right? And there was a bunch of winks and nods among the analysts. I'm just like sailing into a headwind with people that just, they're not winking. They're not nodding. They're not having it. It's weird. It's a very sanctimonious place, uh, the fantasy circles, especially like fantasy Twitter and whatnot. Like, that's why, like, I can't buy into it. And like, I have, I told myself, like, I need to interact more with people on Twitter and all this stuff, but I just kind of can't do it. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I don't get much interaction from analysts. And the reasons why are either that they're afraid and that they actually typed something up and then deleted it because they just were afraid of what I was going to say, or that they just don't like me and they don't even want to, and, they're, and they're, they're sort of in this mode where there's cognitive dissonance and they're pretending I don't exist. I would think that another thing would be two people that like you, but are analysts on other sites and are afraid to be seen interacting with you because there's some people on their side that don't like it. I forgot about that one. Absolutely, yes. There's a big one where... Yeah, they don't want to interact because they're afraid they're going to get that one guy mad who doesn't like me. I think that's a big one. The thing is, there's the, in terms of real people, the regular people that are out there, it doesn't take them long to start to get excited about, oh shit, this actually isn't a put-on. He really doesn't care. Unfathomably painful. It's unfathomably... It's un, Can I say that word? It's unfathomably... Wait, I can't. I did two Bs in there. It's unfathomably, I don't even think that's right. It's incredibly painful. And what they do in the NFL is, see how the NFL works, everybody? Just so you know how the NFL works. Mr. Drafting Odell Beckham Jr. in the first round, thinking you're slick and cool. Hey, look at this. I got a guy, OBJ. <laughs> like his brand, brand equity in the first round. Good brand. Can't beat OBJ in the first. Yeah, you just lost your league. So nice job. Here's what we're going to do, Odell. 
into the trainer room. We got this big needle. We're gonna shove this needle in your ankle and we're gonna numb it up and you're gonna feel great. You're gonna be able to go play. Fab, ah, fab. Uh, that was like my fourth fuck of the day. It's going in. In fact, the machine guns have already sounded. So whether you like them or not, it doesn't really matter because they're happening. It's my show. It was a house of cards, Dave. It was a house of cards. And the king at the bottom of the house of cards doesn't have a knee. Bye, Davis. In redraft, don't drop him in Dynasty. No, he's amazing. Do not drop him in Dynasty. Stop, stop. Don't drop him in Dynasty. But in redraft, that was like my fourth fuck of the day. I'll win every argument, even if the numbers don't support me, Dave. <laughs> I believe it. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I... You've been boxed in, Dave. I've been boxed in, yes. I've been boxed in, yes. I've been boxed in, yes. <laughs> Do you know how to use a browser, Dave? Well, I, I was in Snapped, not uh, Raw Stats, so I got a little little mix up there. You're such a hipster. Yeah, you were, you were the rabbit. They send you out to sprint ahead of the pack and try to get people to run too fast to start. I was the rabbit. I was the rabbit this week. I absolutely was the rabbit. Oh, God. Oh, God. An incredible competitive advantage for anyone with brain cells that work. Yeah, and I also have Gates as my other tight end in that league. Oh, the fuck you! The double fuck you! The double fuck you! And Witten would just drop into my lap like a little feather, just slowly back and forth, gliding through the air. You spend your fob this week on Cohen Williams? Yes, I'm sure you did.